What is up? I have a huge motorcycle outside of my garage. And welcome to the hypo- uh, hypothetical. <laughs> Such, that might be the funniest, like, non sequitur ever for an intro. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I went off script a little bit, so I, I forgot where I was and what I was talking about. Put that on the Patreon. Well, yeah. Take two, you guys. Well, yeah. <laughs> Settle down. Welcome to the Gimmick Street Wrestling Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina, and I'm here with comedian Pratik Srivastava. What is up, wrestling world? I do not have a motorcycle near me. I do have uh, uh, Jimmy Dean's breakfast bowl that I microwave. So I do have that near me. Yes. Oh, yeah. So if you hear a microwave sound, we know whose it is. Yes. That's what I heard earlier. And also uh, from the band leveled, Xavier Vacuna. Yeah. Yeah. World. Greetings to all earthly living creatures. Hello. Hell yeah. What is up, gentlemen? Another beautiful night. Another beautiful night. Night for beautiful, beautiful night. Or or day, depending what time yeah. yeah, what time <laughs> so. in the US. Yeah. Greetings from Florida. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, so last week, or I guess not last week, earlier this week, a few days ago. Uh, we talked about Dark Side of the Ring season two because we were so excited uh, about the next season of Dark Side of the Ring coming out soon. Yeah, we want to do a little retrospective of Dark Side, uh, which again is a show that, you know, I think it ignited uh, a lot of casual fans' love of wrestling again. I know during the pandemic, it kept me going during the pandemic for sure. Um, and it's just it's a it's a damn good show. Whether whether you're a wrestling fan, a crime fan, or just a fan of good documentaries, it's amazing. They got a new season coming out, uh, I believe, uh, on Sunday, May twenty eighth. Um, and we just want to celebrate the new season by looking over some of our uh, old favorite episodes because we weren't on the air. <laughs> our show was not on the air when Dark Side of the Ring was on the air, so we're like, hey, let's go back and uh, pay tribute to this very killer killer documentary series yeah it's crazy because there's been a lot of doc series in wrestling that just come and gone but i feel like dark side really like stands out yeah it really it really satiates the palette for not only a wrestling fan but you know like pratik said fans of just like gritty drama riveting crime stories like this is you know, quite literally the dark side of wrestling. We're seeing stories, <laughs> you know, that, you know, you would think are, you know, urban legends and some things turn out to be true and very dark, you know, no pun intended. So it's a really well done show. Um, it's enjoyable. And yeah, like it definitely, you know, kind of wet your palate during the pandemic and you just wanted to consume and binge and a really binge-worthy show. I'm really looking forward to season four. So yeah, it's been fun revisiting all the uh, all the episodes and all the seasons. And a great show to rewatch. Like there are things I picked up in certain episodes after a second viewing. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely something you want to revisit. You know, and especially the two parters. You know, talking Brian Pillman, Benoit, um, Owen Hart. Some of those were just uh, you have to go back. You know, and kind of relive that. And you can. It's it's wild. It's wild, man. Hell yeah. And for our listeners out there, uh, if you have Hulu currently, um, they are all available. All three seasons are available on Hulu. I hope they put the new ones on Hulu as they go, as they come out. 
That'd be cool. Ooh, yeah. So I would love to watch those and talk about them as they go. Because I'm looking forward. When I was looking up season three, uh, I was looking at stuff for season four. And I'm just excited about it. And maybe at the end of the episode, we'll uh, we'll talk about um, <laughs> the pre the, what the new uh, season. We'll see. According to uh, according to the Google search page, the first episode of the new season is going to be Tammy and Chris, or Chris and Tammy. Oh, oh, that's going to be a juicy one. Like, yeah, <laughs> I like last week we were talking about uh, how Sunny's going to get the uh, the conjugal visit so she can do an interview for the <laughs> for the show. <laughs> you know, Chris and I were. We were on top of the world. We were in this trailer once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Candido. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one, man. Tragic story through and through for Candido. Really? Tammy, too? Oh, yeah. For both? Both of them, yeah. I mean, dude, like, the thing is, is, like, when uh, she came around, like, when Candido bust into the business, she was 19 and hot as hell. So, like, you know, they definitely, like, Put her through the ringer, I guess, is a mellow way of putting it. Yeah, different time, different uh, era. But this week we're here to talk about season two. Three, I mean. Or season three. Three. Three, uh, yeah. Three. The first, uh, the first uh, one was a two-parter. It was Brian Pillman. Very interesting episode. Very good episode. Very, very good. Couple Another tragic story. I didn't even know. I did not know... Uh, about his auto accident. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I knew that he had some kind of accident because I knew that he had, you know, when he when he signed to the WWF, I knew he was injured. I did know that, but I didn't know to the extent of this crash where he was like on drugs and driving really fast and then flipped over something like that. It was it was crazy though. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing about that episode is there's yeah there was a lot of fans who were like, oh, why does he get two parts? Oh. But I'm like, it's a great way to kick off the new season. You need a two-parter. There's some high-profile interviewees in there. Obviously, you got you got Austin coming in, which I thought that was a great get that they got Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah, as a yeah, tag team partner. Um, but yeah, like there's you're right, Sam. There's so many weird details in there that you don't know about. You don't think about the auto accident. You don't you don't think about him like kind of is he living the gimmick? Is he working people like when he quit full quit or whatever? Like it's it's there's there's it it makes sense that this was the the opener, and it makes sense that this was two part. You know what thing that's really cool? They didn't really talk about it a lot in the documentary, um, but I heard Bischoff talk about it. It was uh, when Brian Pillman left WCW. He was doing this gimmick where he was like anti-authority, and he was kind of butting heads with with management. And he, yeah. he, he approached Eric Bischoff in the back backstage, and he's like, "Hey, you know what would make this story really believable?" is if you released me, you know, we could do this thing, whatever, and then I'll come back and, you know, whatever. And so Eric's like, okay, you're you're right, you're right, let's do it. So WCW releases him, and he gets on the phone with Vince McMahon going, hey, uh, I got released from WCW, <laughs> and they brought him in, they hired him. That's how he, that's so, how he jumped ship. So here's the thing about that. I was wondering, like, was the intention that he would go over for a bit and then come back, or it was always just no. You just release me, and I come back. I, if you what I understand, from what Bischoff said, it was just you know, release me for six months, and I'll I'll go to the Indies and I'll talk shit about you, and then I'll come back. Wow! So, so there was no w was part of what he yeah. was supposed to do, but he yeah. really signed a contract with the WWF. WWF. Wow. 
And Eric Bischoff so was like, I got played. <laughs> Apparently did. Yeah, no, Brian Pillman was an interesting character, that's for sure. He was, and his own worst enemy. And I, I think that plays a, yeah. a huge part, you know, not only in like his, you know, untimely demise, but the demise of his career. You know, he was no longer flying Brian after the accident. And, you know, the episodes really go on to show his desire, like as a performer to perform, like didn't want to get relegated to commentary. He just wanted to go out there and do his thing. And like, that's heartbreaking, right? Like as fellow like performers, we can kind of relate, like that shit sucks. You want to go out and do what you do, but you know, you done hurt yourself and you can't. So it's tragic, man. It's a really sad story, but Hey, you get to hear from the uh, Pillman family as well, including (laughs) AEW upstart, Brian Pillman jr. Um, and I believe he was getting a little bit of a push at the time, too. It almost felt like the Dark Side episode was a little bit of a promo for him in his wrestling career as well. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like as of late, um, they haven't really been doing much with him. No, he's cooled off completely. If yeah. if anything, it's kind of a shame that this, this episode, because there were so many eyes on him at the time, you would think a big program would have come into fruition for him. Yeah, I think he had a match on Dynamite kind of correlating with the episode or something along the lines of, and now I think he's, like, working the house uh, the house shows. I mean, he has matches and stuff sometimes. You know, yeah, he's still he's doing his thing. He was mostly on Dark for a while. I mean, he was yeah. on a tag team at the time with Griff Garrison, and people, I, I, I don't know this, but people were saying that Griff Garrison was, was really bad, and so they split them off. And I think Pillman Jr. is in a new tag team now. But I don't remember who he's with. Um, but yeah, I hope he does well. Yeah. He's an MLW, Another... I think. Oh, he's still at MLW? I think he is. I think he was in the Battle Riot. Oh, that's good for him. By the way, it's the really Battle Riot's good. on YouTube. So I, I recommend everybody in the world go watch it. MLW Battle Riot. This was the fifth one. Number five. <laughs> They're all on YouTube. Five, 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 five. <laughs> Williams, Williams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I almost called the episode last time Williams 316, but I didn't. <laughs> that would have been amazing. That would have been good. Wow. Williams. Yeah, Stone Cold had a very meaty um, appearance on this. You know, he talked a lot about the blondes and their. their... And then, of course, how could we forget the fucking the, the controversial gun segment of <laughs> Raw? Oh my gosh! Oh man, that's one of the most like infamous moments in Raw history. Raw history didn't didn't Raw almost get canceled because of that? Incident? I don't know. I don't. Really I think they know. got a lot of heat. They got a lot of heat. And then yeah, they, they had they had a lot of heat, but it was all on Sundays, Sunday nights. <laughs> oh, was this on Heat? Oh, it was... no, no, it was on Raw. I was... <laughs> no, I know you were trying to make a pun, but I'm like, wait, was this on Raw or Heat? I remember now. Oh no. Yeah, no, they don't do cool shit like that on Heat. I mean, they did like <laughs> in the first year, maybe. Yeah, Heat was cool for a minute. When it was on MTV. Remember that when was Heat live, too. show to the pay-per-views? Halftime yeah, that was so cool. Halftime uh, yeah. Heat was good, yeah. Halftime Heat was dope as fuck, man. That was. I don't know yeah. why they don't do that every year. Right? Do something. 
And now with the simulcast, you can just air it on YouTube during the Super Bowl. Like people will tune in. Yeah, you, you can tune it mean? on YouTube exactly, and it could be pre-taped or whatever. Boom. So you know exactly how long it is. Trips, listen up. Come on, Trips. What are you doing? He's too busy yeah, asking Cody not to fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, the time fight is Hunter. Crazy. That's what you would have done. That's what you would have done, Uncle Hunter. Uncle, Uncle Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> Tom and Jerry ass. Yeah. We'll be seeing Dark Side of the Ring on the Cody Rhodes story. Oh, <laughs> Season five, WrestleMania, Cody versus Roman. Four. Yeah, I think the season will open with Cody Rhodes and it will close with Brawl Out. <laughs> so uh the next episode was was uh Nick Gage, basically. And when I when I first saw this, you know, whatever twenty twenty one I wasn't really into the GCW stuff. I didn't really know much about it. I've, I've definitely in the last, this year, 2023, I really learned a lot about Nick Gage and who he is and ways about. And I was telling uh, Xavier before we press record that, you know, whatever I hear uh, from who the bell tolls that, that gives me goosebumps because like his entrance is so like intense and it's so like crazy. It's just super cool. Um, so this was, episode was crazy because they definitely made him. Uh, a villain in a, in a sense, like, like somebody who just kind of wants to hurt people and doesn't really want to, you know, respect wrestling, I guess, in a way, because the whole David Arquette thing happened. Oh yeah. Do you think this episode made him more of a villain or do you think, I, I think I would say this episode gave him some heart for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's true. More that's of a true. baby for sure. We definitely, yeah, we definitely got to know him a little bit better and stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I didn't really know who you died guys for, for time gosh, too well. Yeah, I don't know. Seeing seeing that scene where uh, he had to get like airlifted or whatever from like the light tube. Uh, oh you know, yeah, inside of his yeah, he was fighting. Like, what was it like the death metal? Uh, de- de- death, <laughs> not death metal, but but death. Uh, it, it was like a death tournament or something, right? Yeah, like it was tournament a death, or something. death tournament or something like that. I, I Googled death. it recently because somebody was talking about it and I looked it up. It was like in 2011. That just goes to I'm show. A, I was going to say Moxley was there too, if I'm not mistaken. Right? That'd be yeah, cool. I could see Moxley being there because Moxley was in the uh, CCW uh, stuff pre-WWE, so I could definitely see Moxley being there. CZ Dub. They're still around. They got like rebranded though, right? Or something. I'm not sure what they're doing right now. I think I think Leo Rush just became their champion. Oh, that's it. I know somebody just became their champion recently. Yeah, I saw the recent card. It's like Rich Swan versus Leo Rush, I think, for the world title. So one of them is champion. Maybe it was Rich Swan. I don't know. Good for them. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so that's crazy if, uh, you know, Rich Juan and Leo Rush are going for the world title because that's definitely not the CZW that, like, Nick Gage and John Moxie were in. Yeah, just a little bit different. Um, yeah. But so in this episode, uh, one thing that, you know, uh, I feel like somebody was really in the wrong here because the person who presented David Arquette with the idea of going into a match with Nick Gage definitely did not have uh, anybody's best interest in mind. They just wanted to see destruction. They didn't want to see a car crash, I feel like, because David Arquette said, yeah, sure, I'll wrestle anybody. But he didn't know uh, who Nick Gage was, and he didn't know what Nick Gage was all about. 
And so I feel like the person who said, David Arquette, do you want to match against Nick Gage? That person, uh, <laughs> it was not very nice. <laughs> I, mean, I think also, were they probably thinking about like, hey, this will bring eyes to the pro? They were just thinking about money. Yeah, maybe that dollars. too, because it wasn't a GCW main event. And that it probably didn't bring a lot of eyes to the, to the table. Or was, sorry. Yeah. I was watching, uh, you know, I was watching these old GCW shows, and uh, one of the matches it was a, it was Nick Gage versus Hornswoggle. Jeez. Oh boy! And after the match, Nick Gage was cutting a promo, and he said, "When they told me uh, that, when they told me the idea of me going against Hornswoggle, I was against it. I was like, no, I'm not going to fight Hornswoggle. But then I was like, you know what? I almost killed David Arquette. So why not the why the fuck not? I almost kill Hornswoggle too." Oh god, that's hard. Yeah, he's hard. He's the hardest. He really <laughs> is. I always say, uh, I've, I've been saying uh, that Nick Gage is everything that John Moxley is trying to be. Okay. There's a little bit of an authenticity. So I, I knew a little bit of a Nick Gage before this episode, but to me, I became like a huge Nick Gage fan because of this. Like I started going back and watching all this stuff. I was never the biggest death metal or, or death match and hardcore <laughs> match fan, but this ma- this this episode really kind of enlightened me to like what death matches of this new era are about and mm-hmm. the science behind using a light tube. Like it's not just I mean it can be gratuitous, but there's also there's methodology behind it, you know. And I do think that because of this episode. Uh, if you look like on TikTok and Instagram now, there are so many reels, and I send you guys some of these reels of like light tube, like guys just going into light tubes, girls running into light tubes, like the light tube menorah, where it's like just a bunch of light tubes being smashed. Like, and I think there is this sort of, uh, um, you know, igniting of the culture for deathmatch wrestling again. I think this Nick Gage episode and the GCW and CCW, I think that's all part of that movement, and it's kind of like. Uh, a revival of sorts of deathmatch wrestling, you know. So yeah, this episode is very important. It is, I think, it is very important to the uh, to the hardcore match movement, um, you know. And and yeah, I think Nick Gage comes across as very like, yeah, I just want to kill everybody, ah. Oh, but you know, you go through this episode, you know, he's he's just a hardcore, just wrestling fan, a student of the game. Um, I mean, clearly, he's had you know tough times on his hand, you know. You know, if someone's resorting to drugs and robbing banks, like they're they're on tough times. So you know, I'm sad. It's it's one of the few dark sides with like a really happy ending. You know what I mean? Like he's he's doing well or doing doing better than you know he's he's making a living wrestling and you know being sort of this uh, leader of this movement. You know, the MDK gang. You know that that scene towards the end of the episode where he's in jail, but you know he's getting letters from fans all over the world with the, you know, sort of the MDK movement. And he's sort of inspired to, to get through prison and come out and clean his life up for the fans. You know, it's, it's, it's a good episode that good. shows the fandom of wrestling yeah. to these guys. Bro. And the power of the fans. Where's my know? fucking gang at? Yeah. Where are you fucking at? You know? Where's my fucking it's, gang? it's cult-like. It's cult like. It really is cult like. Yeah. It's when he comes out, it's like he's moshing through that crowd. Yeah. It's, and they're, it's, they're... Just, it's electric, man. It's electric. His music hits, and that place just, there's a buzz in the room. Nick fucking Gage. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's definitely, you know, through this death match, this art, you know, that is the death match. 
he still serves that positive purpose and that, you know, that image of, uh, you know, coming out of that, that really dark place and dark time of your life and, you know, becoming successful and inspiring other people. And like, he's super pro trans, like he, you know, he sticks up for the underdog and yeah, he's, he's doing his thing, man. And he's crazy. So. I was watching uh GCW from 2018 and yeah. Nick Gage was on commentary and it was an intergender match, which this, these days in wrestling, there really is no intergender wrestling. It's just wrestlers versus wrestlers, you know? Yeah, and um, there's there's really no gender rules outside of WWE and AEW, whatever. Um, but it was an intergender wrestling match, and Nick Gage was not really happy about it, and he was like, "Yeah, I would never lose to a fucking woman," and you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> and this was 2018, right? And then you fast oh, forward sh- to 2023 this year, yeah. And he he put Masha Samovich over, and yeah. she's now the GCW World Champion because he put her over. There you go. Yeah. Look at that. Fucking progress from Nick Gage. <laughs> Nick Gage. Thanks, Nick Gage. Fucking Marsha. Where's my gang at? Where's my fucking <laughs> gang at? I'll also never look at a pizza. I gotta go back and watch. I will, I will never look at a pizza cutter the same way again no. <laughs> because of Nick Gage. I have. It's funny because uh, in our garage, you know, there's lights up top, and yeah. the light the lights burned out at some point, and our landlord came over and he changed. Um, the fluorescent light tubes, but he left the old ones. Ah. And so I moved some stuff around and I go, Oh, light tubes. All right. I got these in case I ever need them. I know what to do with them now. <laughs> that too. I will never look at a light tube the same thing again. <laughs> no. Hell yeah. There's this Have any of you seen him? Uh, that Matt Cardona posted on Facebook or uh, on Twitter. It's him and Steph Delander and they're. They're like in like Walmart or something, and like they're a oh, Home Depot or something like that, and they're buying chairs and light tubes and pizza cutters, and it's it's really funny. That's silly. Have any of you seen Nick Gage live? No, I cannot recall. I think I saw him Mania weekend in Orlando a few years ago, but I could be wrong. We I went to. So we went to one of the late night GCW when we were in Dallas last year for WrestleMania 38. We went to one of the late night GCW. He wasn't wrestling on it, but he was there. And yeah, again, like biggest, he was, he was just there kind of like he kicked off the show. He told everybody, fucking stick around. Don't fucking leave early. I don't care how fucking tired you are. Like he kind of gave, <laughs> he, kinda, he, he gave like a promo because it was already like tw- the, we got there at 12. They didn't start till one. Like, like that's when the opening, like ceremony started, so actual bell time was probably one thirty. Do you um, know what the show was? Do you remember what the name of the show? Uh, if you look up like from last year's GCW at WrestleMania, look up like late night, like it was something like late night, the late show or late night. Um, but I just remember, you know, like man, like the like you said, cult like, like these people, they're there, like they're they don't care how late it is. Probably some of them are like fuck WWE. There were probably people there for that event that were just like there for indie wrestling all weekend. They had no interest in WrestleMania. They had no. Oh, interest I'm sure in- there's a lot of people who go to WrestleMania weekend who have no interest in WWE. No interest in Mania, but like, yeah, like they were definitely anti corporate Mania. Like fuck you, yeah. Like just like I and I respected that side. Like it's 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 the cult side of wrestling. You know, it's the non kid side. It's the non camp side of wrestling. And I like seeing that pro wrestling has these different 
facets of its fandom. You know, I think Jericho said it on some episode of his, of his podcast when he was talking about like AEW versus WWE. It's like, yeah, there's like Marvel movies and there's Tarantino movies and everybody, but they're still movies. They're all still forms of entertainment. I think that's what this is. It's just another facet of pro wrestling. And those fans are rabid. They are fucking like, they want to be up close. They want to be in a, <laughs> they want to be indoors in a room when a light tube breaks and all the chemical powder uh, is... I do is, not. <laughs> it's, I, I had two masks. I had two COVID masks on when that was going on. Uh, but yeah, there were people that were going up front. And like sometimes a light tube, like bits and pieces, go into the audience. Like they could, you could get hurt. Like you're oh, yeah, in a hockey dude. game and a puck hits you. Like, yo. Sometimes yeah, like you'll see the light tube hit somebody in the head and then half of it goes flying just across the room. <laughs> into the audience. Yeah, I'm like, someone can get like yeah, I know, I've seen that. Yeah. It it reminds me of like, you know, old ECW or like if you guys remember Beyond the Mat, the Jim Wars show from Beyond the Mat, where like they're literally they're fighting in the fans. Like they're literally the wrestlers are in the fans fighting each other and then fans are getting involved. And it's kind of like that. It reminds me of Jim Wars too. Like, like, hey, you're up close. You're in it now, motherfucker. Like, it, it feels like <laughs> that. You know, what the what the show you went to was it? Uh, L.A. fights versus J.C.W. Uh, no, it was it was something with Texas because there was like a snake logo. I have one of the um, I have one of the shirts from it, uh, <laughs> but it was definitely if you look up Texas. Because um, it was uh, from last year. Are, are all themed? Uh, yeah. There's a there's a black culture show, a lucha show, and a uh, LGBTQ show. It was not the LGBT. I will say that for based on the language of the crowd, it was not. Was there a Royal Rumble there? No, there was no Royal Rumble there. All right, I give up. You'll we'll find it eventually. Well, I'm looking um, at the listing of their of their shows from Dallas. Last year, WrestleMania weekend. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it was like a like a special one or something. Planet they didn't Death, air. Blood Sport, Spring Break. Oh, oh wait, Earth. it might have been Planet Death. Mm, okay, it might have been Planet Death. Oh, the most. Uh, this is the most poetic part of the whole show. After one of the matches or one of the blood ma- uh, blood death matches, you know, there's a little tiny wrestler. He's one one. Uh, you know, again, full every every type of light tube. Um. Uh, maneuver, you know, breaking in half. And uh, by the way, like imagine, like you've like these fans, they've seen every type of light tube maneuver for the. So for those wrestlers, they really have to be innovative with their lights. So it's not just getting cut and not getting injured. You have to be creative now with your yeah. light tubes because apparently there's boring light tube maneuvers. Like what the fuck? Like I just imagine the the work that goes into the creativity and the the the, the psychology behind the matches too, but. Um, at one point, one of the wrestlers he had finished a one, and he goes in the back. But then during they did some like in between. I think somebody came out and said something. Uh, you see him running through the crowd with a giant suitcase. Bloody wrestler has to go set up his merch, and I'm like, man, that is that is the artist struggle right there. This dude just put on a deathmatch clinic, and now he's got to go fucking set up his merch table. Like, man, it never ends for these guys. It never ends. Gotta respect that grind. Yeah. Um, he's all yeah. dripping blood on the shirts and stuff. He's dripping blood he's on the blood. blood like, I love it. Yeah. Why not? I'll pay extra. 
I mean, I feel like like, and I definitely bought. I think I bought something from him. Something like you feel that merch because you're like these dudes, like these dude, these men and women, everybody are out there bleeding, literally. Yeah, I'm gonna buy a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, what do we have next? I got off track here. Where I think we just had one. That was like one whole episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my I lost my web browser I was using. Um, I, have a okay, Mont- is- I have a Heidi Montag web browser open. Ooh. I was googling Heidi <laughs> yeah. Montag the other day. Uh, is that is that a wrestler? Is that from like Laguna Beach or one? She of was on Laguna Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, is this a, was this part of Diva Search two thousand seven or is this <laughs> this uh, same year yeah. though? The same year. Dark side of the beach. Uh, the next episode is uh, the the collision in Korea. Oh, that's AEW a good one. That's a media. That's AEW a media Saturday one. Night Collision in Korea. That was a good one too. Yeah, for that sure. That was a really good one. Yes. <laughs> Do you call it AEW? <laughs> yeah. w- WCW. Um, <laughs> uh, like still one of the biggest ticketed audiences ever. I don't think they're ever going to beat that. I forgot what the yeah. total was, but they're never going to beat that. Albeit the fans maybe weren't understanding all the wrestling, but it was the biggest crowd ever. And it was also mandatory. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, uh, hey, thank you for coming up, but also we'll we'll kill your firstborn if you don't come. So come on. <laughs> like, like man. Like biggest gate in wrestling history. But it was mandatory. mandatory by gunpoint. <laughs> but according to my sources, it it appears to be disputed. But the total attendance was one hundred and sixty five thousand for day one, a hundred ninety thousand for day two. So that was three hundred fifty five thousand. But the numbers disputed. So I don't yeah. Know. Oh, they did night one, night two, too. Just <laughs> before WrestleMania. Before WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> day one, day two. Before Wrestle Kingdom also, two at that point. Before Wrestle King two, yeah, I, I yeah, uh, there, there have been plenty of promotions to do night one, night two. Um, uh, yeah, that like uh, when you think about like you know using sports and entertainment to to kind of you know subside political conflict, like you know, and you, you had, you, I'm glad they were able to. I believe they talked to Inoki in the episode too, which that's really cool that they got. Minoki in the episode because yeah, you're able he just to pass away recently. He just passed away too. Yeah. Yeah. But like to show the how important wrestling and pro pro wrestling and you know sports entertainment is to like a country's like strike, you know, because you know, Inoki's trying to, you know, soothe tensions over with 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 Japan and, and North Korea and you know, the, these two countries don't get along and there's conflict and like he's sort of this goodwill ambassador. Yeah, he's trying for the betterment of you know, his people, right? And kind of yeah. the the art form and the cultures and yeah, it was, it was quite an event, quite the spectacle. I think, you know, for the most part what interested me was uh, you know, Scott Norton's stories and <laughs> this, uh, just the utter chaos. I of, forgot uh, about that all completely. Right? Didn't I think he, that's like, talk about how like he was having a shitty time, and they pulled him aside and like, "What are you doing? What are you saying?" 
Yeah, he yeah. was like, I can't even play a game of pool. There, there was nothing on TV. We couldn't even watch TV. He was getting all mad about it. Yeah, like we're gonna kill you for this, by the way. <laughs> oh, and I think his wife was mad at him too. So imagine you're already in a different country. Your wife's mad at you. You have nothing to do. You're, and then what do you do? You get in a fight with two cold scorpions. Well, like Jesus Christ. And it's like, how scary is this? Because it's like when 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 the WWE, a modern day, goes to Saudi Arabia. You know, they completely have they're completely vulnerable. Basically, like they anything can happen to them and. The U.S. can't say or do anything about it, really. Well, there was that thing with the um, the, the plane. There was like, oh, were there technical yeah. difficulties and that delayed oh, the, the plane? plane or nobody really you know, spoke on that. But I guess you don't really you don't want to. Um, the if you look if you go back to good, the Good Brothers Talking Shop, uh, it's called Talking Shop to Mania or Talking Shop Mania uh, or Countdown to Talking Shop Mania. Excuse me, because the Talking Shop Mania was their like scripted comedy paper or whatever. Uh, it was the pre-show to that, and they do allude to the Saudi Arabian. Like they were like, there was maybe like a little bit of fear, but then they were also like, oh, well, Randy Orton's on this plane, so you know they're not they're not going to kill the mid card, as they say. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, but I would be point, scared. Vince is already gone, and Saudi doesn't care who's who. No, Saudi doesn't care about the, the extras. I think I think what they were alluding to also was drink service was suspended because they were on the ground, whereas. Once you get up in the air, then you can resume drinking alcohol. And I think they were more just like, where the fuck are the drinks? Like, I think they were more just pissed about that, you know? Yeah, I'd be pissed, too. Me, too. Let me get a drink if you're going to make me wait, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then at the deep... You know, that sucks, too. Like, I mean, like, I've been on a few, like, flight delays or whatever. But I've never been on a flight where you're sitting there and then it's delayed. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now we have to deep plane. It's like, wait, what? We were sitting for all this time and now we're getting off now? I think they have to deep. I think that's what was you know annoying to the charter flies. Well, they have to deep plane, you know. So it's like you're already sitting there for twelve hours, then you get on, then you're sitting there, then you got to get off again. I'm like man, like it's like you could have told us to get off the plane twelve hours ago. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be at the hotel. Bar. Yeah, see, I don't know if it was like life threatening or if they're just annoyed about it. Yeah, I yeah. Really don't know the 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 situation. It's really like bizarre. Really come out and and, and gave given details about it. Yeah, we could just go off the tweets we see, like we saw slash. <laughs> My rich, what what did, what did Carl Anderson say? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm never going to Saudi Arabia. And then he went back to Saudi. And then he Arabia. went back. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, talk. I'm gonna build a, I'm gonna build a hot tub for my rich Asian wife, brothers. <laughs> Money talks. Maybe I'll, I'll say that. I feel like there's a picture of uh, the late Brody Lee too. I feel like, like, kind of in the background, just like, what the fuck, you know, like <laughs> poor Brody. <laughs> like, oh, he has a. He, there's a story he told of Jericho where, like, so at the time he was his gimmick. Him and Rowan were the Bludgeon Brothers, so they had those big fucking bludgeons, which those were fucking cool. I, I love yeah. that. Those big yeah, hammers yeah. was hard with the big hammers. They rocked it. I thought their gear. They looked. It was kind of when Game of Thrones was on the air too, which I mean, I didn't watch, but it it made sense for the time, and they were the right guys to do that. And they didn't even say shit. I love how they were quiet. They were just like, yeah, we don't need to say shit. Just come in with the fucking bludgeons. But famously, they could not bring... <laughs> Vince was like, you're bringing the bludgeons to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and Brody Lee goes, uh, 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 Vince, uh, if we try to bring these or check these, we will get arrested. So we can't. <laughs> so he brought the bludgeons. On. They didn't get to fly on the private plane. 
but the bludgeons themselves got to fly on the Vince. <laughs> on the he brought. They didn't get to. He's not like, hey, can we get on that? No, but the act, the bludgeon axes, they got to fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is hilarious. I love that. Rest in peace, Brody Lee. Love Brody Lee. Yeah. And he's a big dude, man. Sitting on a fucking airplane for 12 hours just to be Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're six and change. You're not comfy. So, yeah, I get it. There ain't no leg room. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Here I am like, oh, thank God for Southwest Airlines aisle seat so I could spread out one leg and then spend a switch off. These poor these guys <laughs> are like so. six eight, six eight, six ten, trying to spread out. God damn. And speaking of airplanes. Oh yeah, good segue. Oh god, I love it. I felt that one on the tip of my tongue. The plane ride <laughs> from hell. Yeah. Wait, did you skip one? We did, but it's okay. But I thought you were gonna say right? I think you're gonna say, speaking of airplanes. Hulk Hogan, you take the <laughs> controls of the airplane. Into the ground. <laughs> well, I feel like, I feel like we would we would skip Warrior. We yeah, we could skip, skip Warrior. Warriors. We could skip Grizzly Smith. I, I did skip Grizzly Smith. There you go. That's that's a rough one. I will say I watched that one. That is that is a rough. That might be the roughest. Uh, I might watch episode. it someday, but like I did not want to see it because I know too much of a story already. Yeah. yeah. It's, and I encourage uh, if anyone out there listening, if you're dealing with something, please, you know, call like, you know, their services for this stuff. Please be safe out there, everybody. Yeah, be safe. Get go. help. Leave situations. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a uh, it's a it's a tough one to watch. So it's a tough watch. one to watch. Yeah. Watch with caution. With caution. Yeah. Uh, and I think they put some disclaimers, if I remember when I yeah, watched them, because my it. buddy was DVRing them, so we were getting direct from Vice. Uh, they they put some. They were definitely explaining, like, "Hey, if you're in danger, please get help." I think Jake at one point says it in the episode. Aurelian Smith <laughs> says it in the episode. Uh, Aurelian Smith Jr. Yeah, which that's that's a that's a frightening name, Aurelian Smith Jr. That, that sounds like some medieval medieval. He could Aurelian Smith Jr. could be part of the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> some medieval conquistador, yeah. Um, uh, the plane uh, ride from hell, though. I I knew this story a little bit too well too, uh, before the episode, and they definitely. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with this one. It's a. Uh, Here's the thing about that episode. I think the shoot interviews, I think we'd all listen to a shoot interview about the plane ride from hell before. The shoot interviews definitely made it sound more jokey, jokey than it was like, yeah, just boys being idiots. And I think what was good about the dark side episodes, it brought it down to reality and go, hey, this was really problematic. Hey, this wasn't cool. Hey, there was some really shitty stuff that happened here. Hey, where was the control? Um, yeah, and so I do think this was a very powerful episode. I believe this episode is still available on the Vice YouTube channel for free, so check that out, everybody. I think it is, uh, too, yeah, it is a very controversial episode as wrestlers have come out since the recording and taping of that episode. It's one of the few dark sides where wrestlers have come out and said they were misquoted, uh, which makes me wonder how much of that. Uh, is you know on the wrestler? Is it? Oh, on the I didn't memory? realize that was Tommy. Dreamer yeah, Dreamer has said he was. Well, Dreamer. I knew Dreamer got in big trouble. 
Dreamer does not come off looking good in this episode. I'm no, sorry. I love I love Tommy Dreamer. He is he is the he is the icon of ECW. He's the original ECW original innovator of violence, all that stuff. But man, he does not come off good. I mean, he really I, felt like he was trying to justify Ric Flair's sexual assault on a on a stewardess. On a stewardess, yeah. And just it, the fact that it cuts from him going. Uh, there are people offended by a ponytail. And then it cuts to the actual, which kudos to Dark Side. They got that one of the actual stewardesses from that flight to talk about it. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That is wild. One thing that really very, uh, irritated me about it was um, the lady received X amount of money, I think, to not talk about it, right? Is that what happened? Or am I thinking something else? And then no, they, like, they, well, they, they, they were not talk about it. They don't talk. I think that was a Vince McMahon thing. I think I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, the they WWE tried to settle. I think there was stuff about whether she chose. Well, I think they did give her money, right? They gave her money, you know. Yeah, okay. And, and then people online were saying, "Well, if they gave you this much amount of money to not talk about it, then she should give the money back because she talked about it." But it's like, you know, to the point where hey, it's been this long ago, and she can talk about it. You know, whatever. she has the right to talk about it. It's not yes. like she talked. There was probably a statute. Look, she really did. She must have looked at some agreement or something, and you know, she's not just coming out of nowhere for no reason. She obviously wanted to share the story. It's a powerful story. It's a brave story to share. I'm also sure she's well. I'm sure the 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 Evan Husney and the 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 two guys that do Dark Side of the Ring they would protect her legally. Like if she tries, if they WWE tries to sue her, and also let's be honest here, if anyone from WWE tries to sue her, they look bad in this case. Not her. And let's be honest here, WWE already has enough bad notches against them. It's 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 really uh it's just interesting because I think going into the plane I was like, yeah, this is gonna be I actually went into this episode thinking it was gonna be like the brawl for all episode. And it's it's a rough like man. Like yeah. so like the the Brock Lesnar Kurt Henning thing. Like I knew I knew about that. And I knew that got Kurt Henning fired, but before the dark side of the ring, I didn't know the depths of it, how how bad it really was. I didn't know the depths of it. I also didn't know that according to Dark, I thought I'm like, oh, why does Kurt Henning get uh, uh, fired, not Brock? But I guess Kurt Henning instigated. I didn't know about the he started, he riled Brock up, or like he like what did he do? He ribbed, he tried to rib him with shaving cream or something. Or there was yeah, like, but at the same time, Kurt. in 2003, you're not going to fire Brock. No, yeah, but that's true too. No, no. I mean, Brock also like apparently didn't he like expose himself to Terry Runnels? Like that's part of the episode too. That, like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. He did. He exposed himself to Terry Runnels, and of course she's like, uh, "That's a, there." There were two big phrases throughout this episode. One was, "Oh, don't sell, don't sell." Like you know, her having to like and not react bad. to the. It's, which is so frightening, and it just speaks to the toxic male, like just toxic culture of wrestling, and it's so unfortunate that this stuff, which is why it's good that this stuff is coming out. You know, how else can a industry improve? And listen, we both are in the comedy and music industries. There are unfortunately savory, unsavory characters in all industries like yeah. that, and the more you talk about this stuff, the more you speak out about it, is how you change the landscape of things. I feel like, uh, I feel like Brock had a, had a game plan to expose himself to all the older divas, and the first one that wanted to marry him, he would take her up on it. 
Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's with Sable. <laughs> yeah. That's why how he got uh, Sable. That's <laughs> Sable wants a, oh no, who said that? That wasn't Sable's. Who said that? Sonny? Uh, probably. Maybe. What Sonny wants, Sonny gets. Oh yeah, yeah. Sable said all the the men who or the women who want to be me and the men that want to be with me. Be with me. Yeah, that's Brock. The men that want to be the next big thing with me. (laughs) Good lord. Um, Good old Brock. Yeah, I forgot about the whole Terry thing. That's crazy too. Oh, and then fucking Scott Hall just knocking, knocking, zonking out for half the like. (laughs) Yeah, and he had to get taken off in a wheelchair, and he was still passed. Poor, uh, uh, poor. What was his name? Just, just incredible. Yeah, just incredible. Like, and then just incredible gets heat. JR's like, what are you doing? I'm like, he's just trying to... It's so weird who got heat for things. I know uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, the natural, he was drunk and he was serenading um, Terry Runnels. I know he got fired Poor for... Terry, it. So, man. She went through a lot that day. She went just through a lot. Just Well, so here's the other thing about this episode that was kind of... Rob Van Dam talked about it in, a, uh, in an interview, but... They asked him on multiple plane rides, and they made it sound like this was all just one plane ride from hell. But it really is, according to them, multiple plane rides. Yeah. You wonder why why Vince wasn't on and was coming back and forth, you know. But also, I know Vince wouldn't want to deal with this anyways. You know, he would always delegate to Jr. You know, um, but it can't be on Jr. either. How is Jr. supposed to control? I mean, I still all feel these like Jr. should have been like, "Hey, shut the fuck up." <laughs> you know, like he, he, says, he gets in the intercom and goes, Williams! Williams! <laughs> Williams! This plane is turning around! Williams! This plane has a family! <laughs> Will somebody stop this damn plane? Oh, God! <laughs> Quick hair like a bunch of government mules. <laughs> it's gonna be a slobber knocker! <laughs> Yeah, here's another thing. Where was the Undertaker in all this? Because I know the under now the Undertaker was a wild man too, but I can't imagine the locker room leader, aka Mark Big Mark, Mean Mark Calloway. I can't imagine he's endorsing Ric Flair touching people inappropriately. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like he. I feel like the higher ups weren't on this, like a, like a Stone Cold or an Undertaker. You know, man, that, that's quite a possibility. I don't think they even mentioned where they were. Yeah, I don't know. I can't recall. I know. Well, the thing is, is Undertaker was probably up front with Vince because I know Vince. Vince. Yeah, he was probably not. Yeah. And the wrestlers were running amok, you know, whatever coach or whatever. But easily, like, if a JR, you're right, like a JR or or an Undertaker went back there and said, yo, stop. Like, you don't think they would listen? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Vince is right here. He's pissed. Yeah. I feel, like so it Ross, is I feel like Jim Ross could have stopped it by just speaking up and being the loudest person in the room for a second. But I mean, at the same time, you know, he's not a babysitter. It's not his responsibility. He's not a babysitter. And also, like, what I think, it, I, I, I was reading this from his, from just, if you look at his face during this whole episode, he is not happy. This might be the worst. He, he is not in the best mood in this episode. He's just like, if I have to talk about the plane rods and hell one more damn yeah. Like, he just looks miserable throughout this whole thing. What it sounds like to me, and I do think what Rob Van Dam, I mean, again, he's stoned all the time, but he makes sense. I think this is based on multiple plane rides, and I'm sure JR did try to go back there and say something, but there's only so much he can say. And there's only so much he saw. 
Yeah, yeah that too. And you have to, you know. I don't think he saw the flair thing. I think he I saw don't think anybody. I don't think anybody really knew because he cornered her yeah. in the back. Yeah. It's fucked. You and know. half these people are on drugs or like. And then the other, uh, and then half the people also like, oh, that's just flair being flair. Who cares? You know, like that's what the attitude a lot of them had. Yeah, and then also maybe like that. Well, I'm not endorsing this. I'm not saying the it's, but I do. Maybe the wrestlers were like, oh, like they didn't know what the extent of the you know flights, like how much of it was they were under. Obviously, they were under duress and they were forced. But did the wrestlers catch that? You know, like I know in the actual documentary, the the flight attendant does mention that uh, Dustin Rhodes comes over and tells Ric Flair to cut it out at one point. So clearly. Dustin in his sort of gaze and sort of demeanor and his drunkenness, he does come over. Well, at least that's what she says that he comes Wait, over. Is it Dustin or Dusty? Dustin. No, it's it, she's talking about. She's referring to Goldust. Oh, you're right. You're right because the Dustin same guy who was singing in the intercom. I'm guessing. So Jr. comes on to talk about the intercom stuff with Dustin uh, harassing uh, uh, Terry. Terry Reynolds, and then he also mentions in the fuselage thing where we're literally. The, the, the Brock Lesnar and fucking Kurt Henning are hitting the fucking view slots. Which oh, because that's the, the exit. That's such a bungled story too. Because first it was oh they hit the emergency exit. Then it's they hit the fuse slots. Then it's well they're not actually gonna break the plane open. But like the plane would have had to, to land, but they wouldn't have actually broke the door open because of the force of the winds. You know, so it's so bungled that story where I'm like I thought like they were about to break like the emergency handlers. You know what I mean? That's what like, I thought too. Like he threw them against yeah. the door. And so it's it's such a bizarre. Oh, there's so much. We're not. We we forgot about uh Michael P. S. Hayes' ponytail game shape. That oh, too. That was X Pac, right? X Pac. That was X. <laughs> the way the way um uh, uh, Mike Kyoto describes, it, he's like, yeah, X Pac. Then he he's holding up the ponytail like he's holding up the title. He got the title. <laughs> goddamn it. The beer wolf. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Kick out. They kept mentioning the phrase kick out, like, too, like, because they would, like, drug, they would drug each other, too. <laughs> that was the art thing. Like, yeah, you, you never had <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to laugh. It's more just, it's just bizarre behavior. I get that they're trying to blow off steam. I think it was, like, also, it was a European tour. That's the art thing we should mention. It was, like, an eight day European tour. It's the end of the tour. But it's bizarre, like just the uh, what the locker room culture was back then, where they would they would drug each other for fun, and you and you, and you never want to get caught sleeping because you know then they'll drug your drink or or shave your eyebrow, and you're always like kicking out or whatever, as Mike Kyoto would say. You gotta kick out. You gotta kick out. Or they'll shit in your bag. Don't right sell. that. Don't sell. Don't sell. They'll shit, shit in your bag. <laughs> Or they'll put shit in your sandwich and then you'll eat it and they'll make fun of you. Like Mark Henry. Yeah. I didn't even know who shit. <laughs> I never knew about the shit. Like I knew it was shit in the bag. I've heard of shit in bags, shit in shoes, but I've never heard of shit on food and then eat that food. I don't know if it's legit. They I hope that. He put shit in Mark Henry's sandwich. He did oh, put boy. shit in yours, didn't he? But I don't know right. if he ate it or not. World's strongest stomach. <laughs> I know food. Oh! There's an urban legend of Mr. Fuji like serving somebody's dog to them or something. Like, what the fuck? Was that where they got it for the Al Snow storyline? Was it the Al Snow? Was it Pepper? The hardcore dog? 
I hate Pepper. That was so just weird. I remember, you know, being a kid watching that shit and just thinking to myself, like, this is a weird fucking, you know, like storyline. But that, but Boss Man, man, Attitude Era Boss Man. Like, I love, I love the, you know, the Cobb County, Georgia policeman, Boss Man, but. There's something about Attitude Era boss man. Like he he deserves. We were we, we've been talking a lot on the show about like Attitude Era supporting players. Gangrel's up there. Jeff Jarrett's up there. Attitude Era boss man needs to be up there too. He's such a huge part of that. That's how I remember and will remember him. You know, yeah, that- Ray Ray Trailer Ser- serving pepper steaks and climbing on top of Big Show's. Yeah, nice- I know Big Show. He's 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 chaining up Big Show's dad's cast. Like, the nightstick, the nightstick, the nightstick in the ring. And he'd do like the move, and he'd flip oh, it back, yeah. and he'd hold it under his arm, and he'd do the other one. And it was so silly, but yeah. And and some of those first like hardcore matches where they'd be fighting through the arenas, you know, we have we oh, have yeah. anarchy in the arena coming up soon, a double or nothing. But to me, it really <laughs> started with with those our hardcore matches in the nineties, and a big player of that, a huge player of that, was the big boss. I think he's like yeah, three time right. hardcore champion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 beginning. And then he when he was tag team champions with Ken Shamrock. With Ken Shamrock too, that was a good run too. That was, was a really good run. run. Yeah, yeah. He had good runs. Getting hung. And from he was cell. the hell in a cell. <laughs> hell in a cell. Great. He got hung from the hell in a cell. Who else can say they were hung from a hell in a cell? Get the fuck out, dude. And he was like main eventing with like uh, there'd be Raws where he'd be in the main event with Rock and Austin fighting yeah. every week. Like he, he was he was doing matches every week. He, also, I love that Attitude Era theme song of him where he was like, dur, 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 dur. like it was it was. I don't it was, remember. It I gotta go rock. back and listen to it. It's Wait. called it's called like <laughs> dur, 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 dur. like it's just like just better. I like yeah. his old music. You better watch out because you'll be yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna serve you with hard time. Uh, R.I.P. Ray Trails. Thank you, sir, for your contributions. You got to go back <laughs> and, you. and watch like '92 Big Boss Man. Yeah, dressed up like. I've God. seen um, yeah. I've seen the clip of uh, it was it was a it was slick, it was Akeem and Boss Man. I forget what their tag team name was, uh, but they were on Arsenio Hall, and at one point, Boss Man <laughs> grabs Arsenio like to try to sell the the heel like. What'd you say, boy? Like he literally just says boy to Arsenio. And then you have Akeem there and he's doing like his little like African like dancing thing or whatever. And then he stops and goes, Yeah, boy. Like it's just this bizarre it feels like a bizarre comedy. I think ironically enough, I think they're called the Twin Towers. Oh my god, they were called the Twin Towers, were they? God damn. (laughs) That's wild. Wrestling is funnier than anything else. It is it's amazing. Stranger than fiction. Sometimes, sometimes. Where were we? Where are we on? Oh, that was a uh, oh, the playwright from hell. So now we're in the second. So season three is interesting, everybody, because they they break it up into two two halves. So we are now in the second half of, of playwright of the season. Uh, I believe this one had Luna Vachon was in this one, which I know you guys love this episode. Uh, yeah, you want to take us Luna through Luna Vachon? I love her story, her legacy, her family. Her run, I was there for her first run in the WWF in the early 90s when she was with Shawn Michaels. Right. Really good. You know, up to her little fizzling out in WCW in the late 90s. Yeah. 
it's it's a shame because I unfortunately I don't I wasn't like watching too much during her early run, but it feels like when I came in during the Attitude Era, she was kind of like with the oddities and she was kind of the comedic sort of. Uh, it's it's a shame that fans don't always get to remember her. she was a tough badass who could you know beat the fuck out of people. And I uh, wish whenever I mean I guess I don't know her heyday in my in my opinion. Yeah, uh, WrestleMania nine when she was in Shawn Michaels' corner uh, because yeah. Sensational Sherry was in Tatanka's corner. And so they like kind of were beefing at the time because I love it. She wanted Shawn Michaels and she hated Shawn Michaels. <laughs> good times, good times, good times. But the, the problem you- for her, the problem for her mainly was she was ahead of her time because she was a women's wrestler in the days where women's wrestling wasn't really anything. No, it, it, like you know, she could put on a twenty minute match and she just wasn't appreciated for her right. contributions. She was um, a valet. She was just a valet, which you know definitely was the beneath her by far. Yeah, she could work, you know, and she the family lineage and you know. Oh yeah, growing up in the business and yeah, you know. It, so she never got the women's title like in '98 or anything. It was always Sable. I know she was fighting with. She would she would have matches with Sable, but uh, no, Mula Mula won the women's title. In uh, whatever the early '90s, and they disappeared for like ten years. And ten years until it's like Sable, basically, yeah. Sable no, basically Luna never won it. I don't think Luna never got to win it, but but I do remember that Luna was tasked with making sure Sable was safe and getting her through that match. Yes, think- yes, Luna was like <laughs> instrumental in getting Sable over. Period. And I think that's what they talked about a lot in that Luna documentary. How Luna yeah. was so instrumental in getting Sable there. But they never gave Luna the, the chance, the spotlight. They never gave Luna the chance, and I, I sounds like she never got the credit, you know. And it speaks to in pro wrestling that it's a dance, it's a dance between two, two people, and you know the heel is just as important as making the person look good. You know, you got to have the technicians that make the workers look good. You know, you we just had, you know, the Bad Bunny Damian Priest match in Puerto Rico. Damian Priest deserves huge credit for making Bad Bunny look good. Kevin Owens deserves huge praise for bringing Austin back from. You know, retirement making him look good. It, it speaks to the other behind the scene elements to this art form, and that's making the face look good. And Luna never got the credit she deserved. Yeah, you know, it's true. true. Was she ever like a? I'm trying to remember like some of the older. You know, we've talked a lot about video games on the show. Was she still a playable character in some of those old like '90s games? Uh, there was a, a game. It was I want to say. It was Raw. It was WWF Raw. And she right. was a playable character. Yes. Okay, great. So she did get some... Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, knowing WWE, their residuals are shit, you know, but I'm sure, you know, it's good to see that fans could play as her back in the day, you know, in some regard. There was some element of creating a match with her. I didn't see the yeah. Johnny K9. I don't really know who that guy is. Yeah, I didn't either. It was an interesting episode, though. Just like, it's like a. It's Any like thoughts, a, Xavier, about it? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know anything about you know Johnny K Nine, but it was cool, kind of you know seeing his story about the whole biker gang situation and just like drug trafficking, like super Breaking Bad style. And again, you have to you have to put yourself into that uh, time frame, right? Because you know, similar to the plane ride from hell, like people were kind of getting away with things that were under the radar, away from social media. Right. Uh, you know, even law enforcement and all that stuff was like different back then, right? So 
uh, really interesting episode and learned a lot about Johnny Canine. Didn't know about him before, but know a lot about him now. Chris Canyon uh, was a pretty interesting character. That was a great uh, you know, He never really lived up to his full potential. There was a there was a thing he said. Um, was it in Dark Side? I don't think he said it in Dark Side because you know he passed away, I guess. But there's a thing he said where uh, they said they didn't push him because he was gay or something like this. And then John Cena was asked about it, and John Cena was like, "No, we didn't push him because he wasn't very good." And, and that guy <laughs> gets backlash online for John Cena. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, this came out in response to the uh, Dark Side episode, right? They like they asked him on a different. John Cena said that in. Okay, let me look it up real quick. But it's a shame that he had to live this life where he was like living, you know, not his true self, you know, because of the of the gay stereotypes and the way people right or just the the homophobia back then. You know, it's it's a shame he couldn't be out. You know, again, the, the the day and age, the time frame that. You know, these events are happening and the universe kind of puts these uh, athletes and characters and humans, you know, along the way. So, yeah, Canyon definitely never really got his fair shake. And it's it's sad that he couldn't just. Oh, here we go. It was February 17th, uh, 2023. Uh, John Cena, where was he? Where did he say this? In in an interview with Howard Stern in 2006, uh, then WWE champion John Cena addressed Canyon's claims. Oh, so he said it in 2006. Oh, wow. So he said it back then. Yeah, Yeah, he said, uh, here's the weird thing about Chris, and I've known Chris for a long time. He actually came out of the closet after he was fired. He just wasn't any good. Uh, He was hired by WCW initially for, like, a demon persona. He called Morty, and then he goes on to talk about Spear. But, yeah, he just said he wasn't very good. I think he was good. Decent, wasn't he high? Wasn't that the WCW that the gamer character? Wasn't it based on like a Mortal Kombat thing or something? Yeah, yeah so it was. Ba- well, um, uh, Glacier was based on Sub Zero, and okay. they brought in Wrath the Mortis as kind of Glacier's foes. Okay, yeah, it was a cool gimmick. I liked it. I like his finisher a lot. My favorite Chris Canyon moment of all time was because I didn't watch WCW in the early nineties. And I literally had no idea who Chris Canyon was. And at some point in the, you know, 98 or whatever, Mortis gets unmasked. And they're like, yeah. oh, my God, it's Canyon. It's Chris Canyon. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. who the <laughs> is Chris Canyon? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> that, that happened to me twice. The first time uh, was Van Hammer. I go, who the fuck is Van Hammer? Why are they making a huge deal out of it? <laughs> He's the worst. I remember yeah. that. I'm, do, you, do you remember when he got thrown off the uh, three-story, like, hell in Did he cell? really break his neck? No, no. I think that was all. It was a storyline. Oh, he, he got thrown off the, the World War the World War uh, Three. It was a triple-tier cage match, I think. Oh, it yeah. wasn't World War Three. Okay. No, got World War Three was God. three rings, 60 men. Three rings. Sorry. That was the old school. I used to love it. <laughs> it was the, uh, the ready-to-rumble cage. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you got tossed off that. Okay, that was not somebody clear this up for me. That was not created for Ready to Rumble. That was its own thing before WCW, correct? Wait, the three, the three K, the triple cage. Probably, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it was. Yeah, I don't know. The first time I ever saw it wasn't Ready to Rumble. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I remember it for, and then I'm like, oh, they. 
WCW did some weird match in 94 where it was Hogan and Savage versus the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom. And it was like multiple level cage match. And you had to like okay. keep fighting your way down. And it was weird. It was weird. Um, <laughs> you got to fight your way down? That's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And but this, this triple tier cage match that they had, it was like DDP and Bischoff and David Arquette and Canyon. Whatever. Yeah. It was weird because it was essentially like a ladder match because the belt was suspended above the ring. So oh, that was the one. Well, that sounds like, yeah, that sounds like the movie. So that sounds like right around. So this was, so David Arquette was in that too. Interesting. Yeah, that's where David Arquette won the title. Yes, yes. In that match because, wait, is it? Or did he pin? No, wait, no he, won it, he won it in a tag. Against yeah, like that's Russo. where he lost the title, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. he pinned Eric Bischoff in a tag team match. <laughs> that's how, I love how that's how he won the title. It's pinning in a tag match. like two. He pinned Eric Bischoff, who is not the champion in the tag. Not the champion either. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why sometimes it wasn't just also that he won; it was the method in which he. I think fans were ah, I forgot that. We should also do a review one day of um. We should do the. We should review the. You can't kill David Arquette. The documentary about David Arquette. That's a. That's a wild one too. I saw that one. Yeah, it's rough. There's some tough moments. In. I gotta watch it. I haven't, but I'll, yeah. I'm down. It's on. Do you have uh Do you have Prime? I do. Last time I checked, it was on Prime. I think. Cool, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, we'll do a little, little episode. episode. Any other uh, notable season three? I know the season sort of ramps down with. Uh, with the steroid trial, that's I do believe how season the second part of the season closes out. Any memories thing, of that? Um, that I really want to like touch on with the steroid trial was the fact that they got uh, Jerry McDivitt because uh, that was the, the infamous Jerry McDivitt. The infamous that was, that's the first time he's publicly said anything really like without oh, yeah. being a lawyer. You know, mm-hmm. I love how he has a title too. <laughs> McMahon has given him a couple titles. I mean, he's 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 thrown down against some heavyweights. <laughs> yeah, he's a hell of a lawyer. Gets him out of a lot of hot water. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He's he's gotten him out of a lot of shit. Good old yeah. Jamie. I felt like when okay, I, I haven't watched that one in a while, but I felt like he comes across like a huge ass. Yeah, so yeah. He, he comes yeah, across like he doesn't care. But he's Vince McMahon's lawyer, so should he come off in any other way? You know what exactly. I mean? Is he still? Is he currently <laughs> Vince's lawyer? I think uh, he is, but he's like winding down. I think he wants to wind down, but he's uh he's he's uh he's got a faction. <laughs> he's he's got some proteges. He's like staying and he he's got a Darby Allen equivalent. Basically. Does it make him a wrestling character now? <laughs> Damn it! Like I know you don't want to be a lawyer anymore, but do you want to be a wrestling manager? Yeah, <laughs> a wrestling lawyer manager for your young, you know, you know the the old guy kind of brings on, you know. I can see Vince. New, uh, Calling Jerry McDivitt Clarence Mason. Oh, God. Hey, Clarence. Hey, pal. I can't think of any other lawyers in wrestling. Just like Clarence Mason, really. Mark Sterling, I guess. (laughs) But I can't really think of any other lawyers in wrestling. Yeah, I can't either. Clarence Mason's the only one I can really think of in the WWE. He was Jim Cornette's lawyer. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Dynamite Kid episode. I'm I'm a huge Dynamite Kid guy. Benoit, 
that whole dynamite uh, kid, man. that whole grouping. Another talk very- us through the uh, dynamite kid episode. Uh, so basically, you know, you hear about his upbringing and um, you know lifting weights, doing his thing, and working, working, working. Super small dude, but overcoming the odds and uh, specialized in the high flying, hard hitting Japanese style, and worked himself you know, essentially into a wheelchair and yeah, yeah. mixing in the drugs. And it's the such alcohol. a tragic story and, and not really getting, is. not getting credit like ahead of his time. Right. Like doing oh, yeah. stuff that, you know, today it's like just standard, but you know, he was really innovative. And would you say bringing that stuff over to North America, you know, that style? Yeah. yeah That's really. true. You're right. He really did bring that style to North America. The yeah. British Bulldogs were really like innovative. Yeah. They really ignited that. And, you know, like Pratik said, there's things that people do on TV now that essentially, you know, Dynamite Kid kind of brought to the surface, you know, and look at Benoit, his his yeah, entire... I mean, look at Danielson. Entire, yeah, you know, and if it wasn't for Dynamite Kid, there would be no Benoit, you know? like yep, And it wasn't Benoit, there'd be no Danielson and so forth. Look mm-hmm. at that, right? So... I so many technical like, darlings that we, yeah. Yeah, and just a super untimely, I mean, maybe not untimely demise, but just a brutal, tragic story. Yeah, because like, he did, he died, like, he wasn't young or anything. He died, he suffered for a long time in that wheelchair. Yeah, he, he went through so much, you know, wrestling with a broken back and, you know, just trying to, again, do what you love and your body won't let you. So tragic. And, you know, losing losing touch with your family, yourself, reality, you know, the anger problems. It's It's just a sad story. But he was an incredible athlete. There's a, uh, I know I always like to bring up MLW. There's a stable yeah. currently in MLW, and they're called the Bulldogs. And okay. the leader of the group is Harry Smith. And yeah. the other two guys are a tag team. And I forget their names, like Thomas and William or something. But they're Billingtons. They're Billingtons, and right? they're, uh, So they are his sons. Or like not no, they're sons, nephews, but cousins. They're nephews. nephews. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah they That's mentioned on commentary cool. that they were Dynamite Kids' nephews. That's fucking cool. That's really cool. I think I'm friends with one of them on Facebook, ironically. Nice. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, in 2000 and I want to say 13, uh, the American Wolves ha- had a couple matches in NXT. Remember NXT was like kind of courting them? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Davey Richards' name was Billington. Billington. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. Another example, Davey Richards, you know, yeah. total – he's super reminiscent of Dynamite Kid, you know, from look, from style, all of it. Size, Absolutely. yeah. So that, legal that... trouble. Oh wait, what? <laughs> I think he's still working. Oh, that part too. <laughs> well, Davy Richards actually denied all the charges because, like, in a nutshell, real quick, I guess Angelina Love like said some terrible things about him in a court case for child custody. He retired. He since he since denied it, and he's looking to get back into the ring. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. But that was my probably not favorite episode, but I don't know. It's it's a really it's a, it's a it's a really powerful episode. I uh, I definitely watched it on this first view, but I'm, I'm going to give it another view. I'm going to give it another viewing. Uh, it's a tough one because again, it's that thing of you 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 love wrestling, you love your passion, your art form so much, but is there, are you willing to sacrifice every other facet of your life to do it? You know? Sometimes it's just, every other facet, yeah. Sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, with the example of Brian Danielson, right? He's like, when when uh, J- M- MJF said I wasn't able to to play with my kids, and then I was in that move, and I felt this. I, he was right, and I know it's a storyline, <laughs> but it's also true. <laughs> oh, and that's why it's a good promo because it's yeah. based on truth. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. reality. 
it's so powerful. Um, but anyways, guys, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited about the new season. I mean, again, if you like wrestling, but you want something, it just, it tugs on the heartstrings in a different way. And it, and it, and it adds perspective to the history of this. It really art form. So I, I really encourage our listeners, you know, if you're, if you haven't checked out dark side, if you're like, Oh, I think I heard about it or where do I get vice or blah, blah, blah. I mean, a lot of these episodes, they're on Hulu. They're also on YouTube. You can, you can find them everywhere. Really encourage everybody to seek it out. You know, there's there's three seasons, uh, probably like thirty ish episodes on there. You know, it's 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 a it's it's a good time. It's worth it's worth checking out for real. Absolutely, it's worth the watch. The visuals are impeccable, and the reenactments are great. It just it all ties together. <laughs> The, the shadow acting, the reenactments. I believe they use indie wrestlers in those reenactments. They do, so, I think. So, yeah, they do. Yeah. So kudos to them. Kudos to the creators. All the best for season four. Um, I, I, I can't. Jobs, I can't. Yep. Yeah, giving more people jobs. Um, <laughs> I can't heap more praise on it. It's it's an amazing thing, you know. Yeah, I agree. And and you know what, tales of the ter- tales from the territories is good too. We'll have to we'll have to do a deep dive on that. Yeah, I gotta go back and watch some of those episodes. I don't think I watched all of them, but I did watch most of them. And you know what? It wasn't. I think it took a couple episodes for it to grow on me, but I really liked it. It's a lot slower pace because it's hosted by a bunch of old guys. (laughs) They do it like in a campfire roundtable. I think. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's cool. I gotta peep that. Yeah, it's fun. Definitely check it out. Um, It was like an episode, and yes. Yeah, which is talk, historic. It's just a lot got... about like each episode. They talk about like a territory. Like they'll talk about like uh, Hawaii one episode. One episode they talk yeah. about like AWA, and one episode they talk about USWA and Memphis. all these stories. Memphis, and just you hear about Memphis, like yeah. the territory days being like so wild. You know, like oh man, these dudes are fighting people to the back of the locker room. That's that's insane. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm ready. Um. I think I got to step off now, guys. But if you want to keep doing news or something, feel free to go ahead. All right. You want to plug your social media, Pratik? Yeah, you can find me at Pratik Comedy on Instagram, uh, PratikComedy.com. I got dates all over the country coming up, uh, possibly even around the world. We'll see. I might be overseas for a brief period this summer. Wow. We'll, we'll talk about those dates. We'll, we'll, we'll chat soon. Please support this podcast. Please support Xavier and Sam on there performance endeavors and hopefully one day we can seriously do a uh, gimmick street live i can't wait to do one Good that'll way. be that'll be really cool um Good all right guys take care bye right. <laughs> yeah. uh, how you doing on time Xavier? you want to talk about collision yeah let's get collision in hell yeah i was really surprised um I, I guess i guess not actually now that i think about it warner brothers discovery whatever it's called announced it um previously to before AEW actually announced it that they're adding it to their lineup and that was pretty exciting yeah it was exciting news i got the text uh pretty early in the morning oh from tony himself yeah tony Khan. like man. hey xavier you better watch the news today we were hanging out in jacksonville so he's like dude i told you that's cool. And uh, the logo is, is a lot like the Nitro logo, which is pretty funny, but a lot of people online are complaining about it. But it's like it's TNT. Like, let's let them have it. Yeah, let them have it. I, I think it's cool to pay homage. Uh, I think a lot of people, particularly like Bischoff and like other people, yeah. are like real, uh, I don't know, not stuck in their ways, but they have their opinions, right? I'm, I think it's. I'm think really it's into the Nitro era. That's like one of my favorite eras. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think it's the worst thing to pay homage. I don't think it's the worst thing to kind of say thank you in a way. And uh, it's cool. And, you know, for people like us, it brings us back to that. Yeah, and, exactly. And in a sense, I feel like AEW is almost trying to deliver that, you know, alternative product and the grittier, edgier uh, content, right? That we all so desperately crave and have been craving. So I think it's fucking cool. You know, I liked it. It made me feel like a kid again. So seeing that logo and that the colorway and the red and yellow, it was dope. I hope the, the set looks cool, you know? I did too, yeah. What do you think about uh, uh, Dark and Elevation going away for this new for this new endeavor? And then before you answer that, uh, I just want to say, you know, word is that people online were saying that Warner Brothers was unhappy with AEW. And then when in reality, Warner Brothers is like, Hey, you know what? Get rid of these other shows because we want all of your shows on our channels. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's okay. I think it's cool. It's good for business. Um, I personally was not watching a lot of Dark and Dark Elevation. I would put like if I was bored, I wanted something on. I would put Dark on because it was convenient, which is but, cool. Yeah, I wasn't seeking it out or anything. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I definitely was when it was on Mondays or whatever. I think it probably still was on Mondays towards the uh, towards its demise, but. Um, I personally wasn't watching it. I would watch if Kenny was on there or if or uh, somebody you like, exactly. Like, yeah, Any worker like, whatever. Oh. Yeah, so I think it's okay. I think change is good. Um, I think doing another show is risky, but you got to take risks and you got to place your fucking bets, you know? And, and it's a show that I would watch. I'm not going to be watching live most of the time because it's a Saturday night. Um, but I, I will watch it later, you know, and... I don't know where, I mean, it's going on tour, right? I assumed it was going to be shot in Orlando for some reason, but if you want it to pop, I think it should, should be on the road. And Yeah, no, they're going on tour. I think they spent a lot of time in Canada for the first month or two. I saw that. And then there's the drama of where's the first show going to be and the whole CM Punk thing. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure. Lots of reports, lots of, you know, rumors and talk, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll know. We'll know tomorrow night where the first show is going to be. So are they? Oh yeah, that's right. They're going to announce it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, people are saying Chicago, but that's just people because are. of punk. Yeah, and then there was a rumor that apparently got debunked that they were looking at Daly's place in Jacksonville as like a plan B, which I was like, oh, if it's there, I'm going. You know, like that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But I think that got debunked. So, you know, hopefully it's in Chicago. Hopefully punk shows up, and we'll see. Because otherwise, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do or what you and they were. Do. There's a rumor that uh, at the last, like, Punk was ready to come back. And at the 11th hour, uh, Tony Khan said, oh, by the way, we're not bringing back a steal. And rumor has it that that was a, uh, a, a deal breaker for CM Punk. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll know tomorrow for sure. Yeah. I'm excited either way, though, and I hope it goes well. I am too, and I, I feel like uh, they have an opportunity to to do not not like an official brand split, but like kind of an unofficial brand split a little bit, where these people focus over here and these people focus over here, and like bring back Thunder Rosa and Miro, like they that they're teasing. Yeah, get get Andrade back in there. Yeah, uh, you know, build up your roster. I I don't think it's the worst idea, and like you said, like if it's not like drastic like this is raw and this is smackdown but if you kind of build it up and just have people appear you know uh on their respective shows i think you could really kind of spread the talent out a little bit and 
mm-hmm. you know, from what I read, th- there'll still be opportunities for like indie talent for like ROH tapings. And, you know, I don't know if Rampage is going to focus more on like the lower level. Well, talent. yeah, is Rampage leaving or is that still going to be on too? I think Rampage is still. Uh, is That's still... probably going to be their dark. I assume I, I can't attest to uh, what route they're taking with Rampage, but. I mean, it kind of already is their dark. Right, essentially, but they still have those heavy hitter matches to kind of. They do, they do, yeah. Like they'll have like Ozzy Open and the Young Bucks, I think, or something. Right, they'll Who's spice it up. A few they'll, months ago, they'll have Jay White on there. They'll, you know, I mean, prior to him signing, right? But they they do the attraction match to kind of reel you in. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Rampage. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of. Uh, stay tuned for for Rampage, like on Dynamite, like. I'll be on Rampage or whatever. They'll do a yeah. promo for Rampage just to get you kind of interested in, in watching it. Yeah, they plug it a lot. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Collision does as far as ratings go, as far as content goes. Um, let's hope for the best. But, yeah, I think it'll be a good opportunity for talent and the uh, fans alike. So, Absolutely. And one thing that I feel like was good when, when Raw and SmackDown split, like in the back in the day, is there's people who were in the back of the line who kind of got more of an opportunity. And so I feel like that could happen a lot in AEW. Maybe, you know, a spot will open up for Action Andrade or something, and and they'll be able to, like, make him into a star or, you know, something like that. So there's a lot of opportunity there as well. Yeah, and when, when you make that point um, to the early or, you know, brand splits, when you had, like, your SmackDown 6, um, I, I, I like to think of wrestling and music and anything, dude. My analogy is always, like, food, like a buffet or – you know, it's ice cream, you know, and when you're watching SmackDown, you know, you're getting that hard hitting Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Edge, Rey Mysterio, like that flavor. Right. And then you watch Raw and it's a totally different grouping of talent. So I think it would be cool if you have somebody kind of doing their thing on Dynamite, they have their shine. And then on Collision, you have someone else, other groups of, you know, people, factions yeah. doing their thing, you know? So, yeah, it's it's good opportunity. It's and good then keep the belts, you know, fluid between the two or something. That too, because, you know, you already have so many. So, you know, focus on your TNT champion, focus on your tag team. And, yeah, there's plenty plenty of room for, for the roster. Oh, but one thing they can do, I think, um, they can make since the shows are going to be on different channels, they can make the TNT title exclusive to Collision and the TBS title exclusive to Dynamite. There you go, and it writes itself. You know? Yeah, because I mean, it says the name of the channel on the belt. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. You know, here you go. This is where you're going. Um, yeah, and I like it. I like the TV title. I like the Workhorse title. I think we've discussed it a few episodes ago. Um, I think it's fucking cool. And yeah, if it has that kind of seniority where it's on that respective, you know, brand or show, I think it's cool. And it just gives it that much more, uh, more substance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you, uh, you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, I guess just uh, good vibes to all the wrestlers who are dealing with injuries right now. I think that's... Uh, oh, there is a lot of those going around. It's like, the like contagious the, these days. Yeah, all the love to all the talent. You know, I, I think Critique likes to discuss a lot how, uh, you know, these people are putting their bodies on the lines for us. So uh, I think everybody kind of deserves their flowers and just good vibes and good energy. So heal up and uh, thank you for what you do for us. So that's that's my piece. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, you want to plug your social media, letting people know where they can find you? Yes, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Lord Xavier. You can find me on Twitter at Xavier Venom. You can hit the link tree. I have some dates coming up. Uh, music, wrestling, it's all there. Smash it. Appreciate y'all. Don't forget, Florida Rules is right around the corner, June 24th. What the fuck is Florida Rules? Florida Rules is a uh, kind of metal and punk hardcore festival. Oh, that's uh, Mainly cool. hardcore punk. Yeah, that predominantly was annually in Tampa. My friend Tom, uh, who's done so much for the Tampa and in general Florida hardcore scene, uh, runs a show where it's just a bunch of bands from all over the state of Florida. And 40 Winners has played a few times and Leveled is playing this year. So it's going to be cool seeing all my friends. Oh, nice. Is it your first time on the tour, on the on the festival? Uh, with leveled, yes. Nice, hell yeah. So I, I have played before with forty winners, and uh, it's always fun, and it's just cool. I like festivals. Festivals are are really really fun. So that'll be June twenty fourth in Tampa, Florida. I'll run down the uh, lineup when we get closer to the show. But nice. tickets are available in my link tree. Hell yeah! You can find me at Funky Sam Medina across the board. I have a super big show next week that I'm excited about. This is the second Woo! round. Of a comedy competition, Neck of the oh. Woods in San Francisco. It's a free show. If you're in the Bay Area, come out and hang out. I'll uh, I'll be there. You can buy me a beer. Fucking right. Other shit too, but that's the show that I'm focused on. Um, if you want to follow my other shows, you can find, follow me on Instagram, and I'll tell you about it eventually. Hell yeah! And all the links to this shit is on hypotheticalcomedy.com and hypothetical comedy link tree and all that fun stuff. Yep. Boom. <laughs>